Welcome into this week's episode of the Official Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kwani, joined by Paris, and we're already depressed about this entire episode, so bear with us. It's been a very interesting week and month in the world of sports. And last quarter of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounds really sad. It is depressing. Should we keep going? We should keep going. Well, this week was Veterans Day. Well, it, well, that doesn't make sense because the whole week can't be Veterans Day. But Veterans Day was observed on Friday, and then Saturday was the official Veterans Day. And Steph Curry actually wrote an article in the Players' Tribune called The Noise and discussed what it felt to have the platform that he did as an athlete in the United States especially. And one thing that he talked about was the fact that even going back to the Colin Kaepernick protesting during the anthems, that the more important issue is the fact that our veterans aren't even being treated properly. So here we are complaining, saying that Colin Kaepernick is disrespecting the country, disrespecting our flag, disrespecting our military, when in reality we're not focusing on the issues of healthcare and providing for our military after their they've done their service to our country, You a lot of times you see people on the street begging. They're the ones who have flyers saying that, hey, I'm a U.S. veteran and here I am homeless. What were your thoughts on that article? I've always looked at someone, at Steph Curry as someone who had a really big platform, as he mentions um, in his article, and it was nice to see him using that platform to speak on something that maybe that not everyone was speaking about. I mean, everyone was talking about Veterans Day, but he came at it at a different angle and took a really important stance on it um, and talked about a lot of things that a lot of veterans organizations are trying to help current and former service members deal with, such as homelessness and unemployment and um, any physical or mental issues that they may have as a result of being as fighting for our country. So it was really nice to see him use that platform. You know, what he was saying should have been a unifying force for everyone on this Veterans Day. And, you know, despite, like he said, despite anything, any way that anyone feels about the anthem, any way that anyone feels about the protests, um, or I, I should say any, any way that anyone feels about the protests to the anthem, et cetera, what he wrote was a call for everyone to kind of get behind our veterans, regardless of how they feel about some of the other things going on. And like all of the issues that we see in America, as he said, most of our, most, if not all of our veterans have at least one of those issues have experience with racial inequality, with unemployment, with homelessness, et cetera. Um, that what he was saying was that our veterans are a very unique population because they are the only ones in our country who go and fight for our country, but they are a reflection of our entire country. We put so much money into our military. He actually mentioned, he said something about the fact that only 1% of the people in our military are represented in everyday society. He was talking about how his wife, Aisha Curry, had her restaurant launched that this week. And this guy, Michael, came up to him and expressed those issues to him. So the fact that he had to talk, I mean, not that he wasn't aware of it already, but someone took the effort and the time to go to someone who had the platform and said, look, you have this platform. You can speak out. Here's what the, what's really happening that no one's not talking about. The news isn't covering it because it's not sensational enough. If it's not bleeding, then it's not something that we need to care about. What kind of benefit do we get from a story like this? And for him, like you said, for him to be able to take his platform at this age, he 
mentioned he's 29. He has his wife and his two children. And he was really excited of the fact that he does have something that he can put to his name and be able to have some kind of positive influence. And on a day like Veterans Day, he was able to write something that will really reflected those sentiments. A lot of the veterans that he talked to was were not necessarily finding the protest disrespectful to them, but were speaking to the sentiment of these people have the right to do this. Um, and a lot of veterans had come out and said that. And there's even there's a poem about that. Um, it's called It Is the Veteran or something. I'm sitting here trying to look it up. I'm not going to recite the whole poem, but it talks about, you know, it starts well with like, it's the veteran, not the preacher who has given us freedom of religion. It's the veteran, not the reporter who has given us freedom of the press. Mm. And it goes down and like goes through all these different rights and freedoms that we have here. And then the last part is it is the veteran who serves under the flag to be buried by the flag so the protester can burn the flag. Wow. And... I feel like he really echoed that in what he wrote and just saying that, you know, our veterans have fought so hard so that we can even protest without, you know, with people, yeah, getting upset, but without us being arrested, without us being killed, because not everyone in the world has those freedoms in the way that we do. And so the best thing that we can do, whether it's, you know, we can argue back and forth all day long about whether people are disrespecting our veterans by kneeling, et cetera. But how can we start to really respect them? And it's more than just saying happy Veterans Day. It's more than just, you know, taking photos of them, like putting it on social media, whatever. It's okay, are you are you giving to organizations or working with organizations who are really trying to help veterans find employment? Are you, you know, are you treating veterans when you see a veteran? Yeah, it is saying, you know, thank you and all of that, but are you asking them, are they okay? Because so many of them have those hidden wounds that you talk about all the time, whether it be PTSD or whatever, you know, are you going to a VA hospital and saying like spreading holiday cheer to veterans? I mean, anything, so many things. And it's just like, people want to talk all the time about what you shouldn't be doing, but what, what should you be doing? That's a great point. Even the NFL received a lot of backlash because of this paid patriotism, them pretending to care. We pretend to stand up during the anthem, even though we'd rather be on our phones. And all the points you made are very valid. What are we doing for these people? These people who have fought, they literally put their lives on the line. Some of them obviously have lost their lives. But what are we doing for the ones that are still here with us and showing them that we genuinely do care? I was at the Celtics game on Friday, and there was a 100-year-old World War II veteran. He was the lead bomber in D-Day. And just to, he was in a wheelchair, but he could stand up, so he had someone that was assisting him. And to watch a real-life hero standing right there in front of us, obviously the Celtics were generous and they honored him in that sense, but even something as simple as honoring him doesn't happen that much. People don't take the time to know what their stories are because someone like that who has been so through so much sometimes just isn't even able to tell their story. And so not that they have to brag about it, but they did go through a lot just for us to have these freedoms of speech and freedoms to protest, freedoms of what we call the United States. Thank you, Steph Curry, for writing that. That was very beautifully written. Tear drop to my eye. <laughs> Tear shed. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but as we said, this will continue to get a little more depressing. Well, not depressing. Let's not be depressing. It's going to be thoughtful. It is very, this is a very touchy, deep topic. Thought-provoking. Very thought-provoking. Allie Raisman who is an U.S. Olympic gymnast from Needham, Massachusetts, actually. You said you were able to interview her 
recently. How was that? When yeah, was that? so that was during the um, Forbes Under 30 Summit. Um, and I got to speak to her. And it this was summer, after right? this. That was this, back in October. 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 Okay, so it like a month or month ago. And she, um, you know, it's Forbes Under 30 is for, we, I think we spoke about it the week that the it happened. Entrepreneurship yeah, yeah, it's athletes. for a lot of, yeah, mm-hmm, entrepreneurs, um, people under 30 specifically, like Kendrick Lamar was there. Which I'm still um, sad that I didn't get to see him. But. Yeah, I mean, there were some, also some people there who are over 30 that was like, okay, <laughs> oh, they so still, like, they put people over 30 on that list? They, I think what it is is maybe those people are alumni and they just bring them back. Oh, okay. Like, Ashton Kutcher uh, was there, okay. like Amari Stoudemire. I feel like all the big shots would come to a weekend like that yeah, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I just... <laughs> anyway, so she was there. She's under 30. Um, and she is considered an entrepreneur. Um, she has a lot of... Obviously, she's the gymnast, but also she does a lot of motivational like social media posting about positive body image, things like that. And um, she's coming out with this new book, Fierce. Mm -hmm. And so um, I talked to her along with two other people, two other reporters, and... There were only three reporters talking to her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, there were so many people at the summit. I think that it just kind of was... You pick and choose your battles. Yeah, and depends who you really like. Because I ended up really the direction I ended up going in for what I was doing was kind of directed away from her. And so, um, but it was still really nice to talk to her. She was really, she was really nice. Um, and she, you could tell she was, she was really confident and, um, you know, she was a fierce young woman and like just a a good, you, you think about all these like role models you want these young women and girls to have. And like, she's definitely someone who, comes to mind who who really embodies that and who really embodies like teaching women and girls to be proud of themselves and to stand up for themselves and to be fierce and so it was really interesting to see her come out and do the 60 minutes interview where she really did even after it even though it had been a while like but she really came out and stood up for herself and like she said she was angry that there was so much that she felt that she had been misled by and helped like felt like she had been um, betrayed in so many ways. Yeah, so the backstory is that the USA gymnastic doctor, Larry Nasser, was sexually harassing her, and she was, like you said, recently able to come out and talk about it. And one of her teammates in that 2012 gold medalist class, Michaela Maroney, came out in October saying the same thing with the same allegations towards him. And to think that these girls were, they, you know, they started their careers very young. I think... Michaela was about 13 years old when she first started with the national team trainings. And now she's 21 years old and now finally being able to have the courage and you saying that Raceman also was a fierce girl at this age. But when you're starting off in your career, you're not going to be bold and fierce and come out. And some girls are like that. Some women can grow up and be fierce their whole lives. But it takes going through all of that and realizing that, like Ali Raceman said on the 60 Minute interview, she would see these young girls and they're smiling and happy and excited to meet her and want her autograph. But she realizes that if she didn't say anything now, then all those smiles on their faces wouldn't even be worth it because no one was able to speak up and say there's a problem. These men are taking advantage of the fact that they have these great careers and their names can't be scarred. Like she said, it just struck me that she said she didn't know. She, she, her quoted, you know, and, I don't know if this was her quote verbatim, but she said, 
I didn't even know what sexual abuse was at that time. And, you know, for someone as a doctor who's going to be so close to these girls, these young women, and touching, their touching them. Legally. And, yeah, and they're being told he's the best doctor. Like, this is just, you know, do what he tells you to do. Whatever. I remember like, hearing them saying it was a pleasure for him. Like, it's an honor for you to have him as your doctor because he's one of the best. Right. And... And all along he was doing that. Even still, even and as a gym, and you know, I'm sure maybe, she, well, I don't know this for sure either, but she might have had talks with her parents about like, as all parents do with their children about inappropriate touching, et cetera, but then- She actually mentioned that people didn't tell her that and people don't tell young mm, girls about that, which mm -hmm. is also, the you have to tell 13-year-olds now that in a 50-year-old man could sexually harass you and right. here's what you- supposed to do make sure you're not alone in a room with someone that you're supposed to be yeah. in a, alone in a room with to begin with like yeah. where is that line how how old do you have to be one and when are we gonna how are we gonna vet these men and these people who are just exploiting these right. young girls because and so and i mean her parents could have could have maybe not thought that it was a problem because he was again was this doctor this and had this power and had this reputation so they also had to trust him to that he was doing the best. But because uh, parents are put in that vulnerable state too, you want your child to be successful. So if you're told that he is the person that can help your daughter get to where she is, sometimes parents are victims as well because either they know about it and they come to a point where they say, "Well, maybe I should just shut up too." But sometimes the worst part is that they don't even know. I mean, both instances are horrific, but to think that. Sometimes they know and they can't do anything. Sometimes they don't know. And now, years later, their own child's coming out talking about something that they could have maybe helped their kid get through, but they had no power to do so. We were talking about Tarana Burke, who started the hashtag MeToo. The hashtag spans back all the way to MySpace, which I'm sure you don't have your login anymore, because I definitely don't. You know, I actually do have my oh login. Oh my goodness. We should Only try because... logging in and see if it works. Oh my God. <laughs> but she started oh the hashtag God. in 2006 because she was talking to a young girl. The young girl was expressing the fact that she had been sexually harassed and Ms. Burke realized that all she could have said or had to say was me too, but she couldn't even bring herself to say that. And now we're fast forwarding to October of 2017. And now we have people like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, Louis CK, all of these influential men who are now, women are coming out and saying, this is what this man did to them, to me. The thing about women coming out and talking about sexual harassment, one, we talk about how they wait so long, and people are like, why'd she wait so long? But there's power in numbers. So when you have that one woman that comes out and says this happened, that's when the other ones get the courage to do so and speak up as well. So it took one woman to say, me too, and then you realize that this hashtag ends up trending because all of these women have been through it. And to think it took one woman all these years just to say something all of the pain that could have been stopped. It's so sad that men like that can have that kind of power and still be successful in their careers. And their names not even sometimes be even scarred. Now mm. Paris is sad and we move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very deep topic to discuss. Yeah. And well, I will say that one thing that I hope comes out of this is more people if they see something, they'll say something. And we'll, and we'll start to kind of better define 
what is and isn't okay and what is and like start and continuously remind not only girls but boys too like what is appropriate and what isn't and continuously let people know who you can go talk to who's safe and what to do if you start to feel like some, something's not safe it's like sex ed classes should also include mm. some kind of tutorial on how to yeah. interact with the other sex yeah and you know Growing up, I don't think I ever had any of that education in school. Like, that always came from my parents of what it, like, if you, you know, what, what is okay and what isn't and, you know, who you should talk to if, so, if, you're, if you feel uncomfortable by someone. But there was never a, like, there was never any kind of education about sexual misconduct, whether it be from, like, other, from, like, boys that were my age or, or you know, or whoever, girls, or just adults yeah it's like a morality thing too because i guess you want to keep it out of the school system so the teachers don't have to deal with it because everyone's raised differently not to we would hope that no one's raised that it's okay to just touch a woman inappropriately but you're thinking that maybe a, a dad is raising his son even though there are some households that don't have a dad so who's going to teach the son when there isn't one to say you can't talk to a woman like that you can't touch a woman like that and the same for women it's like a mother telling her to be confident enough to not do that, but okay, maybe her mother's not in the household. So who's going to be the stand-in and fill-in for that situation? And like you said, it might be it might have to come to the school being the place where a child learns it. But then you have to separate. Okay, is it a, a private school? Is it a Catholic school? Is it a public school? Because then Catholic schools have different moral. They're not going to even teach about sex in that way because you know the Catholic way is abstinence. So they're not going to talk about any kind of sexual misconduct because they're in their head hoping that you're not going to do anything at all, which obviously isn't the case because kids are going to be kids. Whether they're supposed to be Catholic or not, they're going to do what they want to do. And then if they continue those habits, they'll grow up to be these men who think it's okay to treat women the way they do. Mm. So that's food for thought this week, people. Think about that. Let's move on to the NFL, which we talk. I think it, we're on a – so the Celtics are on a 12-game win streak – Woo-hoo. We're on an every episode streak of talking about the NFL and Roger Goodell in particular. Oh my God, this is so accurate. He's just a mess. <laughs> so he is in negotiation talks right now with the NFL trying to figure out what his contract will be. And sources are telling ESPN that he wants a $49.5 million salary. But the catch is, tell him the catch. Oh, is this the the same he catch want, the private jet? Yeah, he wants and the lifetime a lifetime health insurance. Private, he wants a private jet for yeah, a lifetime for his entire family. I mean, it's, hey, are you the president of the United States? I think the president gets like Secret Service until yeah, he dies, like and lifetime his kids until Secret they're Service. But hey, Roger bro, Goodell, you're not shoot the president, shot, bro. <laughs> oh, now you're encouraging <laughs> him. Shoot your shot. This Can't get we, if you don't ask. This is why we throw a flag on the play because we haven't done that in a few weeks. I'm so this kidding. This is definitely a flag on I'm the play. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. But I mean, maybe that's his mindset. Like, I'm going to shoot for the moon. Aim high. <laughs> that's how contract negotiations are supposed they to go. They are. They say that you're supposed to aim very $49.5 million high. And, and a maybe private they'll, jet. they'll bump it down to $48.5 million. And a private car. And definitely, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, um, no. I think... I don't know. I don't know what. Um, I'm sucking my teeth at this one. I don't know what Roger Goodell is doing. What Maybe is he, he is just shooting his shot. Is it? What does he do <laughs> for American society? 
Not that Americans are paying it. It's obviously, it's not tax money. But what is he doing to deserve $49.5 million, private jet, long, all his health insurance? What is he? What good is he doing for the world? That would be good. That would be good to know what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, I what? would love love to hear his rationale. We should call him next week. They should make this public. They should make his can negotiation talk oh, public. Let's find his wife because maybe she still has she a might Twitter still be, she might still have that Twitter account. DM, and we can just say, hey, like, you know, as you you have probably talked to him about this. Wait, what is the rationale? Why do you need this? Yeah, because I this? genuinely want to know. As much as I want to, cl- <laughs> I can clown him. I actually saw a tweet from the sports pickle saying. What about $5 and he has to watch the Jets every week instead of having a private jet? We need to know the actual answer to this. What yeah, I want to I would do? love for the NFL, you know, everyone that he's talking to his contract about to to kind of make this information public. I don't know if they can do that. I, they probably don't have to do that, but I would love to like a transcript of this conversation just to know like Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I deserve $49.5 million and a private jet and this lifetime health insurance because... Because da, 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 da. <laughs> End our sentence for us. I mean, I get it. These NFL players, they deserve the money that they're getting paid to put their bodies on the line. Same with NBA. I mean, okay. Mm. I know that's another whole <laughs> can of worms that I may have just opened because people don't agree with that, but... <laughs> They do deserve some kind of compensation for their bodies being put online. The amount of money is what can everybody be deserves it. compensation this is for true. putting their bodies through You're all right. this. You are through correct. getting up each day. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no. But no. But no. Everyone deserves compensation money. for what they do. The appropriate amount of compensation for the appropriate amount of work they do. Now, where it gets tricky is what is the appropriate amount? Let's go back to our veteran conversation. <laughs> Shouldn't our veterans be making $49.5 I million mean, for their lives? What that's is bodies life on the line. <laughs> what is a life? How much does a dollar cost? This is a dollar and a dream. Exactly. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like... Salaries are so ambiguous. Well, why are we placing value on someone who helps create entertainment versus someone who serves our mm. country? So and do you think we should live in a socialist society where everyone makes them? So- <laughs> no, dang, she tried to go that deep. I know, I'm a, that was pretty extreme. No, I don't think that. I, I'm, so, I'm so conflicted because working in sports, I understand people pay to see athletes play. So that the revenue that an athlete makes is not even close to the amount that the GM or the owner or anyone higher up in the front office would make. So when I look at it from that perspective, that's why I believe that athletes should be making the amount of money that they do because they're the ones being used. They're being owned, quote unquote. I'm okay with that. But at the same time, when you look at the discussion of, like you said, how much they're getting paid versus the other people in our society who are doing good and doing things that are more beneficial, why aren't doctors who are trying to cure cancer making more? Uh, Obviously doctors make the good amount of money, but nothing near forty nine point five million, no. I assume. Or even teachers, or even yeah. journalists. Teachers, journalists, putting their lives on the line in but actually other countries as well. And then my thing is, why is why are the people who are in football management positions making that much money? Yeah, what are you? So what are y'all doing? Y'all so legit like, just put a suit on and stand <laughs> on the sideline. Uh, well, the coach might wear sweatpants on the sideline, but you're not sweating unless you're yelling at a ref. That's the only time you really, you know. I mean, it's a lucrative industry. That's it's a lucrative industry. There's a lot of money coming in. Um, 
you know, people are not investing as mu as much in teaching as they are in professional sports. People are not investing as much in newspapers. People don't like not a lot, a lot of people pay for. I mean, I don't know the numbers, but there are many people who don't pay for newspapers. It's so funny you bring that up. My family came to visit this weekend, and we passed by the Boston Globe on my way to the TD Garden, and my mom just start. We started talking about how. The fact that the newspaper industry is slow, obviously, well, not even slowly, very quickly declining. And it's scary to think about all these journalists who could end up losing their jobs because people don't value it anymore. Even though we all want that journalism, we want to know what's happening. It's all coming to us in a different form. We have social media. Right. We have random people who are journalists now. We have what they call social media journalists who right. can just be on the scene at the moment. And all of a sudden, you're tapped in as a journalist. And to think that people could possibly not even get paid for that anymore is very scary, especially for people like us who are young journalists. I just question, um, you know, I just question what we're investing, what we as a society really put our money towards. I think we all question that. Um, well, they say money is time. And you put time into what you think is valuable to you. Mm. So if we're putting our time into watching sports, then that's clearly more valuable to us than sometimes going to school, going to work, helping people out, volunteering for the vets. Mm. I'm preaching to you right now. <laughs> no, you're just, everything is... That, it, that's the reality of sink, it. I'm just letting it sink in. And I'm guilty. Like, I love watching <laughs> sports. I, yeah. I mean, I do it for a living, so it's kind of a win-win situation. But the reality is I would obviously rather watch sports than have to go do something that doesn't benefit me because I think a lot of people, and there are there's peop, there are people who definitely don't enjoy sports and there are other things they put their hobbies and interests into. But again, the majority of Americans call baseball America's pastime, even though obviously millennials don't enjoy it that much. All At the least money, not us. Yeah, all the money that is going into these leagues is reflective of where Americans spend their money. And that's the reality of it. Yeah, and with all the ads... I just keep getting pulled deeper and deeper yeah. into this. Like It's definitely food for thought. <laughs> I think, I mean, with this podcast, I would hope that we don't have all the answers, but people listen and it just gives you a new perspective because honestly, after, like during this conversation, when I thought about all most of this stuff, it's it like, as you continue to talk about it, that's when new ideas form. And you think about the reality, like, wow, I really do enjoy sports. And these athletes are getting paid more than like we, after reading Steph Curry's article, the veterans who put their lives on the line for me. So I was like, crap, now I'm being convicted because I'm part of the problem as well. So am I going to solve it? Probably not this week, but hopefully maybe in the future I could do that. There are a lot of people who think and live the same way that I do. They watch sports. They invest their money in different things that may not be considered valuable to others or shouldn't be considered valuable. But on a positive note, what something good that happened to you this week? Um, mm. <laughs> by the way, I did not well, shout out Max. I'm so fake for that. He's been sitting yeah, Max on the is couch. Over here he doesn't want to talk. Hanging in. I will say, I respect everything that Max does for this podcast. Likewise, Willa Paris. Okay, you can continue. Shout out. I had to give Max a shout out. No, that's great. <laughs> I'm here for it. He sends his love. Um. Yeah, Max is great. Max is great. <laughs> it um, just hit her, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. 
What was I going to say? Oh, it was election positive. day. You know, hope everyone voted. Oh, that's awkward. Was I it actually positive? didn't vote. There, Oh, election day was actually really positive because there were a lot of, there was a lot of history made. There were a lot of um, firsts that happened around the country. I did see that. Especially in Virginia. There was the first transgender, or one city elected its first transgender um, candidate. And Dana Carome, who ended up beating this guy who had authored a bathroom bill, like an anti-transgender bathroom bill. Um, so that was really interesting that Danica Rome beat him out. And even WDBJ, you remember a few years back the shooting of mm -hmm. Allison Parker and her photo, her photog Adam Ward. Her boyfriend ended up winning in Virginia as well. He beat someone who had an R NRA affiliation too. That's a lot of irony. I think the universe is speaking to us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is the universe saying? Paris? I don't know. I think the universe is saying, you know, the tables are being shifted and there's mm. going to start to just be a lot of contradictions and everything that we, you know, everything that people are feeling like is wrong in society is about to get like counteracted. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. More. Somebody yeah, will catch more. it. Somebody will catch it. And so that, those milestones are happening. A lot of, um, first people of color were elected a lot of first women it's like newton here in massachusetts elected its first woman framingham which is a new massachusetts newest city newest city elected its first female mayor first mayor ever who is a black woman um that's crazy uh for there are a couple other firsts here in boston um like there were the woman lydia edwards who got elected to represent Charlestown, the North End. She's the first woman on Boston City Council who, I don't want to get this wrong, but I know that she is like the first minority on Boston City Council who does not represent a minority district. So like in the past, most minorities elected on Boston City Council hmm. represented like Roxbury, Dorchester, um, Mattapan, mm -hmm. my those minority areas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, oh, she's, she's representing some uh, city that isn't a yeah, minority. Charlestown, like the district oh, is Charlestown. Oh, that's actually very interesting. Because yeah, that's yeah. It's usually how it goes. Mm -hmm. The black person runs in the black city because the black people see them and they're yeah. like, oh, I can rally behind her. But then they end up screwing up the black people anyway, just so they can mm. progress their careers. But that's for another episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> Lydia Edwards is that who she was? Yeah, Lydia yeah. Edwards and like the Framingham mayor was wow. Yvonne Spicer of Charlotte, North Carolina. Because, you know, what would this podcast you, be if without, I didn't shout, yeah. shout out North so Carolina? So we have a streak of you saying uh, Charlotte in every episode yeah, as well. North Carolina. We um, should create, like, a bingo. Yeah, we when should. They watch, Let's do when it. you listen to this episode, every time she mentions Charlotte. Or North Carolina. Or, well, maybe North just Carolina. create a drinking game. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they elected their first... She's a well, yeah, first black woman mayor in Charlotte. So that's Congrats. nice. I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but... That's yeah. important. It's important. So election day happened. So it was that po it was positive because of all the outcomes. There's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting races. <sighs> yeah. It was the best of times. It was the worst <laughs> it was of times. It sounds like that's <laughs> how you sum up this week. Yeah, a lot basically, of good happened. it was a rough. A lot week. of bad happened, <laughs> but we got through it. But we got through and it. Guess what? We gonna get through next week. Yeah, exactly. Thanksgiving is on the way. Oh, we had. Um, I went to a friend's giving. Which was really, really nice. I'm actually going to have one in December. Oh, but nice! It's technically not mine, even though it's happening at my house. But I'm thinking I'm going to make it bigger now that I've already made it public. I guess I got to invite y'all. I'm going to tell <laughs> the other people. Hey, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Friendsgivings are fun. 
I want to make it a Friendsgiving slash Secret Santa because I love Secret Santas and it's going to obviously be in December. So we just get two holidays wrapped yeah, in one. Idea. I love just getting gifts. So if you guys hear this, buy me gifts. I love gifts. And that's all I have to say. Just a personal shout out for myself. <laughs> I love Secret Santas though. <laughs> They're amazing. I think that's all for this week. <laughs> we, we've gotten through a lot. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, so we've hit 34 minutes. So we did well. Max is nodding his head. Paris is reflecting into the ocean, <laughs> even though there's no ocean. I'm glazing <laughs> like over. You're staring off into, <laughs> into the world. The ocean is there. It is somewhere it's in on her the head horizon. in the universe. Mm. Thank you all again, as usual, for listening. Yes, podcast. everyone. Thanks. If you're still with us, this is episode eight. Maybe eight. We made it. No, we didn't make it yet. No. <laughs> I don't know. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play. We need you guys to give us ratings because right now we don't have enough for iTunes to reflect what our rating is. And I actually realized that <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I gave us a rating on iTunes, thinking that my name wouldn't show up. <laughs> I like wrote a review and it said, Kay Lunas, this is my favorite podcast <laughs> so far. So please give a rating so that I don't look like a complete loser. <laughs> yeah, go through, give us a shout out, tell your friends, share it on your social feeds. You know, even if you have a bad comment. I take a bad comment you because at least that means it. you're listening. Right. And you care enough to give us a comment. Thank you guys again. Hopefully we'll be back next week. Bye.